Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes, and this week there's no Vern Value, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but if he were here, he would agree with me. We are 25-year Wall Street veterans who have gone underground, taken on secret identities, changed our voices in order to bring you our candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news. But our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air, so we disguise our voices so they'll never know. Uh, this week is the March 6, 2009 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, and I've got six ideas this week. I'm going to pick up some of Vern's slack, and I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but first, a few caveats. Uh, this show is for entertainment purposes only. It's really pretty important, main point. Uh, we may have conflicts of interest. We may own these stocks. We may not own them. Uh, we may uh, have lucrative arrangements with the management teams of these companies. Uh, none of that's really true. Our lawyers uh, insist that we tell you that. And finally, and this is, uh, you know, not a legal caveat, but uh, we may be completely uninformed. Um, we're just using Value Line as a, as a resource here, usually after work having a drink. Uh, but today, Vern and I, this weekend, we could not get together, um, and I'll get to that in a moment. But um, let's see. Why would we be uninformed? You know, you'd think that 30-year careers in the investment business would lead to some knowledge, but uh, lately it doesn't seem so. Uh, and then finally, we may be drinking, and in this case, uh, I'm not, so I'm a little disappointed, but usually I am. Now, uh, let's get to why Vern isn't here. You know, we've been doing this show about three years. This is a rare time when we're not uh, doing the show together. Usually I have equipment that uh, we can hook in and even do a call, but I'm traveling uh, with my family. I did not bring my uh, top-secret equipment, and we cannot connect. I just spoke to Vern. He's doing fine. And I'm out of the country, and uh, we couldn't do the show. So I carry the show basically on my laptop, so I'm going ahead, forging ahead. My family's in another room. Uh, we're trying to keep them quiet over there. It's just for a few minutes for me to do the show. Also, I'm sleepy, and I haven't really been tuned in. I've, uh, not, I've been trying not to watch what's going on uh, really out there. But um, I don't know. I've, I haven't done a show without Vern, so I'm not sure exactly how it's going to go. You know, I made a little list of positives and negatives as to Vern not being on the show this week. So um, first, the positives. You're going to get pure stock market content this week. I've got six ideas. They're good value ideas. Uh, I'm going to go through them methodically, and uh, we won't be having any interruptions by Vern. I think some of the longtime listeners know what I'm talking about when I say that sometimes, sometimes we get a little off track and then uh, even, you know, lose lose our, our place in, in the story. So that's a positive. Uh, also, um, I'm going to stay more focused personally because sometimes, Vern, interrupting the flow of an idea, it annoys me, and then I get into some kind of unpleasant interaction with Vern. So, and I'm sure it's not pleasant for you, the listener. So we're going to save you from all that this week. Um, and so those were some of the positives, you know, Vern not being here. And then I said, well, there must be some negatives. And I thought for a while, you know, had a beverage, 
Ah, it's just coffee this week, ladies and gentlemen. And I thought, well, I did end up coming up with a couple things. First, I don't have my drinking buddy. This show really stems from Vern and I drinking on Fridays, and we just started recording it, and then we had a show. So uh, not that much work. But uh, So I missed the drinking buddy part. And then I thought, well, maybe I'm going to miss Vern's well-timed interjections and his, uh, you know, his, his great sense of, of timing in terms of bringing something to an idea. I thought, no, I'm not going to miss that. And then, well, well maybe I'm going to miss Vern's thorough knowledge of hundreds of companies and industries because he brings a lot to the show, frankly, more than I do. I don't know. I'm the part that, you know, is completely uninformed in the caveat, and that's usually me. And, you know, Vern, he's got this uh, terrific uh, knowledge. So maybe that's what we'll miss. I thought, no, not really going to miss that. Um, and then I did think of a couple things that I will miss. Usually Vern buys drinks, so I'm missing that. And then uh, he's my ride, usually. So I, those were a couple of negatives I had. Um, but hopefully we'll be back next week, Vern and uh, Val, to do the show. Um, and uh, that's most likely going to be a better show. Anyway, let's get on with the uh, investment uh, themes of the day. And I just I just wrote a couple of things down here. What's bothering Val right now? Well, stocks are down a lot. I don't have to, you know, be in town to notice that. It's in all the papers. And I think that, um, you know, what we're really seeing is a, is a fear in the marketplace of these proposed increase in marginal tax rates that are going to uh, disincentivize, uh, you know, certainly capital and also uh, income at, uh, you know, at the high end. And I think the fear that those tax rate increases could migrate down as some of these programs work their way through to, you know, lower income levels, I think that's a fear in the market. And without really getting into the politics of it, you know, my... Uh, uh, view on this is simply that the big picture statistic to watch, because you can debate all day long which program is the right program or should, you know, the weak and downtrodden be helped. Of course they should be. So I think the big picture statistic to really watch to, you know, have some idea of, of what's going on here is just total government spending as a percentage of total GDP or gross domestic product, and all that ratio does is it tells you what percentage of all the output of our nation is the government. And right now we're approaching, when you lay in, you know, local and state, municipal, uh, you, you start pr approaching, you know, 50 percent, 45 percent, 40 percent. I'm honestly not sure of the number. Federal, because it's going to vary from, you know, based on where you are, in New York, it's very high. California, very high. Uh, places like Wyoming, you know, maybe not so high. They don't have a state income tax, things like that, so it'll vary. But on a federal basis, it's been hovering around 20% for a long time. Uh, it was headed on a trajectory that was looking a little scary, and Ronald Reagan in 1980 changed that trajectory, and we've been around 18 20% of GDP. And under the proposed stimulus package, we're heading toward uh, maybe 27. Now, the reason that's important 
is that the part that's the government does not have a profit motive. So we're looking at stocks, and uh, of course, one of the things that makes all stocks more valuable in total is the amount of goods and services that they can sell. And, uh, you know, in some big picture way, uh, the amount of total uh, demand is going to affect total value. And so when you uh, take steps that are going to disincentivize um, the formation of capital or income, you, in effect, are potentially reducing the growth rate longer term of building wealth, and that means longer term you're affecting the growth rate of total demand, and that, in a big you know, picture way over many years, particularly discounted at low interest rates, is going to start affecting your valuation of your companies uh, in, in one sense. And so that's a concern. The other thing that's hitting, of course, stock prices right now is all this spending leads to the concern, um, serious concern, about inflation. And if you start to discount future cash flows at a higher uh, required rate of return or higher discount rate to allow for inflation and the erosion of the purchasing power of uh, money, then those future dollars are worth less now and PE's uh, price-earnings ratios go down. So there's those two big uh, features. And my biggest concern about this focused tax on the so-called 2% of the rich, but that's not what really concerns me. What concerns me is that the rich in this country move around because you can get there through hard work. And for me, it's the change in incentives for the other 98% to work hard to aspire to be rich. If you take away some of the rewards of being rich, you're going to take away uh, even a little bit spread across a few hundred million people a little bit less work, a little bit less drive uh, is going to take away a big energy uh, that could be used to grow our way out of this, and I think the market's feeling a little bit of that as well. Um, now, having said all that, I'm going to get to six value ideas this week, and I think these, uh, these are priced largely with, you know, a bit of doom and gloom in these stocks. So uh, I've been in the business a long time, and the current, you know, environment has me very concerned. Uh, and many professionals right now about the, uh, you know, the future direction of profits and growth. But uh, being a bit of a student of history, I think a lot of this is going to work its way out. It'll get worked out politically, and, uh, you know, America tends to find over time the right way. And these stocks are priced right now as if we're going to have a lengthy period of, uh, of slow growth or negative growth. And as you've been listening to me over time, I'm talking about needs, not wants. And so one thing to focus on in this economy is things that people need. Even in a worst-case scenario, we're going to need food, we're going to need transportation, we're going to need shelter of some sort. And this week's issue, um, let's see, we're going to find the table of contents here. This week's issue, you know, uh, I went through actually every name this week, at least until I got six, then I stopped. Now I have one from the last industry as well. But uh, there are some good needs this week. You have railroads, restaurants. I actually did pick one out in there, a couple. Um, information services, so an annuity there presumably on uh, some base level of business. So let me get right into it. I'm going to talk this week about... A CSX, a railroad, CEC Entertainment, California Pizza Kitchen, MCOR, which I never heard of, Waste Management, and uh, Equifax. 
which you probably already know because I post that on the website. First up, CSX Corp, ticker CSX. Uh, this is a big railroad, ladies and gentlemen. It's, uh, they've got 21,000 route miles in 23 states. I'm just reading here, two Canadian provinces. And they connect, you know, the Northeast, Midwest, and Canada with the Southeast. And, of course, like all railroads, they carry big, heavy things that, you know, typically don't have to get there in a hurry and aren't worth that much per pound. So coal, fertilizer, chemicals, automobiles and parts, and ag. Uh, the railroad industry... Uh, the big theme right now is that railroad is gaining share from trucks, and that was very true a year and a half ago when fuel prices were so high. Um, as fuel prices have come down, that's not quite as true, but there still is an advantage. And so, uh, you know, rail, to people that have to cut costs, you know, service levels have improved. Um, I think cost per mile still runs about 30% under trucks. It's not as efficiently picked up and delivered. But, you know, in tougher times, you can deal a little bit with that. But what I like about this is this stock is down from $70, <coughs> excuse me, in 08. It's down here at 26 and the theme is railroads are gaining share. It's five times gross cash flow. They do spend a lot of money on capital spending. Um, but, you know, a lot of that is maintenance, I guess. But on that metric, stock doesn't look so great. It's 20 times, which would be a 5% kind of yield. But in some sense, I'm looking at that as a safety uh, yield. 20 times is 5%. They have some base share that's probably not going down. They are enjoying price increases as they you know, close the gap in value per mile with truck. That's always an uh, umbrella in pricing is truck, you know, truck cost per mile. Um, I do like that these guys have put up a pretty decent return on equity over many years, and it's been consistently improving into the mid-teens. Return on total capital is low, but, you know, one problem with return on capital is that it, you know, in some, in some ways based on total assets, which the capital is supporting, and if companies are not aggressive in writing down their assets, of course their return on capital is going to be lower. And when I look through here, their depreciation levels have been higher than their capital spending levels for... Uh, you know, some time, and uh, and so I'm I'm sorry, that's not right. Let's see here. Capital spending, four bucks a share, three hundred a billion two. So capex has been running a little higher than depreciation for some time, um, and at a higher percentage than their growth rate. I guess was my point. And so it suggests that they're not writing off their assets fast enough because depreciation should only be, you know, CapEx should be only a couple percent bigger than depreciation since their capacity is only growing 3 or 4% a year. And uh, the bigger gap there suggests that that could be a quicker write-off. But that's been going on for many years. The biggest attraction here is that you've got really a, a safe business and a cheap valuation. When I look at enterprise value to EBITDA, I take the total market cap plus debt, less cash. I have about $18 billion. And based on a 30% operating margin on, you know, roughly $10 billion in sales, this thing is trading at about five and a half times EBITDA, which I would look as a cash flow. And if I flip that around, I'm looking in the upper teens, maybe 18% return on my cash investment in terms of a yield. 
And then Value Line says they're going to grow earnings here at 15% a year over the next five years. I might think that's a bit high. Uh, there will be some share gain. It's probably GDP growth plus a little bit. Um, so, But I'm still looking at a return here in the low 20s. CSX, a railroad, page 279. And uh, what else do I know about this one? You know, business right now is tough. Uh, they are getting some pricing, so I do like that about it. Uh, 6% gains in 09 predicted. Again, that's just that this is still a better value than trucks per mile, and so you have some room there. Uh, they evidently own the Greenbrier Resort. They're looking at selling that. So anyway, basic rail, cheaper than some of the other CSX. Next up, CEC Entertainment, ticker CEC, page 292. Um, for those of you that don't know this, this is Chuck E. Cheese, the restaurant. My theme on this is you don't want kids screaming in your own house. So birthday parties, special events, what have you, sporting events, you take a bunch of kids down to Chuck E. Cheese, and they have a great time. And evidently you, uh, you sell them overpriced pizza, and everyone loves paying it, they don't mind, because the babysitting fees are so built in, in effect. So when I look at CEC versus California Pizza Kitchen, which I've also recommended and still like, the curious thing about these things is how different. You think of California Pizza Chicken, Chuck E. Cheese, they're both restaurants. California Pizza Kitchen puts up a 10% operating margin on, uh, let's see here, $750 million in revenue. Chuck E. Cheese does about $800 million in revenue. They put up a 41% operating margin. And it's not just because they have a franchise model. They own 495 stores, franchise 47. That will help their margin a bit, but not 10% versus 40%. Uh, the other interesting note is California Pizza Kitchen, which I love. I think it's a great place to go. It's good food, not that expensive. If, I mean, that is if you find yourself in a mall somewhere. That would be my only way. But you know what I mean. So, um, But they're only putting up like a 9% operating margin at California Pizza Kitchen. CEC Entertainment, Chuck E. Cheese, 35% return on capital. I'm sorry, return on equity, 15% return on capital. Uh, now, California Pizza Kitchen has no debt. That's a very attractive feature right now. And I do like California Pizza Kitchen. One reason is there's 254 stores. Uh, I know the mall's in trouble right now, but that's not a lot of pizza stores, uh, given that it's pizza. And pizza, you know, I don't need to say any more about pizza. Uh, people like pizza. It's still gaining market share of food groups, and uh, it's cheap. It's, uh, it's good for you if you get the right toppings, of course. So I think there are some growth opportunities for California Pizza Kitchen in terms of locations, but I'm just struck by the tremendous profitability of CEC. Um, now, let me focus on that one for a minute. Their same-store sales have dipped negative, no surprise. Um, let's see. Comp, you know, it says that they've had more moderate declines than other competitors. Undoubtedly, it's because of this sort of babysitter thing. There's a basic need that you've got to take a bunch of kids somewhere or you'll go crazy. You've got to get them somewhere and, you know, enjoying themselves. And uh, birthdays come, recession, no recession, your kid's having a birthday. So I think they'll get, you know, a benefit of that. Uh, but, you know, overall traffic's down. I think they do have some earnings declines. No, 
Not really. Kind of flattish. California Pizza Kitchen, they have earnings declines predicted in part because mall traffic goes down. But uh, let me talk about the valuation for a minute because I like both ideas. They're a little different. Uh, CEC Entertainment, you know, they've got Chuck E. Cheese. They've got about so what, 550 locations, so twice the number of California Pizza Kitchen. Maybe they're saturated. I have not done my homework on this. They may not have other places they can go. I don't know. Uh, but on a valuation basis, their total enterprise value is $950 million. And according to Value Line, they're going to generate $320 million in operating income next year. When I do the math, I don't even have a calculator here. That's three times. That's 33%. So in other words, if we bought all the stock in the marketplace, bought all the debt at book value, and it may not be worth book, uh, and they have a little bit of cash here, not much, uh, $15 million against $400 million in debt. So it's, it is debt heavy. And when you look at the total debt to capital, it's at 75%. So, you know, you screen uh, runners out there, that's going to look a little high. Oh, and that may be why the valuation is so cheap. 75% debt to cap, people may be just screening that out, saying, hey, whatever you do, don't buy a stock that has over 20% debt to capital. And I could understand people saying that. But on this one, what you'd miss is their total interest expense is $20 million, okay, on their $400 million in debt. So they're paying 5%. Their operating income, according to Value Line, is $400 million. So they've got this interest covered 20 times, and they don't look like they're in danger of losing money. So if you look just at debt to total cap, you're going to miss in some time, you know, some cases, the actual probability of, of dipping into a default situation when you're covered so well and you have stable margins going so far back. Now, on California Pizza Kitchen, there's no issue. They have no debt. They don't have much cash either. Uh, Value Line says they're both going to grow at 11%. That may just be the underlying growth in pizza uh, relative to total food, and, uh, you know, I don't know that, but it could be. It could be. It sounds about right. But I just was struck. Two similar companies. I like them because I like pizza. Uh, I can actually still recite my college uh, pizza shop phone number and... Uh, I'm proud of that, but you know, no one else is, I guess. But in any case, um, I like CEC. It's very cheap, three times earnings. And if you want to sort of diversify your risk in restaurants, you know, buy both of these. That way you have a bet in pizza at a time when all these companies have just been crushed. So you're getting it at a good time. The general spending of you know, total restaurant or away-from-home food versus total food sales has been stable, around 50%. Restaurants were in the ascension, just hovering a little over 50%. We're probably backing a little bit under 50% now, particularly as you have unemployment rise. You know, stay-at-home people now can, you know, make food at home and all that. But the longer-term trend is up because it is convenience, and I think both of these are, you know, stocks you can put away if you can wait. They're cheap enough to wait a long time, and they're safe. CEC. Page 292, California Pizza Kitchen, page 294. Uh, let's see, what else do I have here? Because I see I'm, I'm actually running out of time, which I'm shocked because, I don't know, Vern's not here. I guess I'm kind of missing him right now. Right around now, he'd probably be interrupting something. I don't know. But uh, next week, Vern, if you're listening in, we'll get back going next week. Um, 
And my, my beverage break. I'm going to have to do a beverage break for myself. Okay. The fact that I have two glasses should tell you something. All right. Looks like I can only maybe do one more of these. Um, okay. Well, I'll just say MCOR, E-M-E, page 328, caught my attention because of the stability of the business. It's low margin, not great returns, uh, but the enterprise value to EBITDA, again, uh, yield, EBITDA over enterprise value, 33%, so it's worth a look. And, uh, you know, they've got a shrinking backlog. They're exposed to cyclical markets. What they do is they're basically, um, you know, mechanical, electrical, construction, facilities companies, so they take a hit on the decline in, you know, sort of new starts. Um, but uh, over time, you know, there's, a, there's a, a high level of repeat customers, and so it's stable in that sense. But I think I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, then I've got Waste Management and Equifax. Uh, waste Management, page 355. You know, they are the largest waste disposal company in North America. Uh, what do I like about them? Again, stability, need not want, waste management. They've largely consolidated the industry. I think there's only a couple now, them and Republic. The valuation, again, is what gets me. The stock's down from 41. It's down here at 28. And this is a, you know, this is a need related to population. Each person generates so much trash. That number has never reversed in 10,000 years of human history. I really don't think it's going to reverse now. It may during this recession. Um, but if we start burning wood instead of oil, you know, there's even more trash. So I don't... Uh, I don't see the need for this going down. Pricing they get. In fact, it talks here about even though business is not so great, they're getting some pricing. And um, this is one that you've got to pay up a little bit because of the stability. It's um, seven times on an enterprise value to EBITDA basis. That's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization for those that ask me about that. Um, and, uh, you know, they've got a high... Uh, return on capital, yeah, not really, 10%, uh, but they lever up a little bit, mid-teens, upper-teens return on equity, and it's just, it's very stable. They're doing 25, 26% operating margins going back 10, 15 years. Revenue never goes down. Depreciation and CapEx offset, so they're not really growing capacity too much, and I just, I like it. They get pricing, it's stable, it's a safe place. They pay a 4% Dividend. Now, I did see that General Electric cut their dividend, so I guess no one's safe. But this dividend, uh, they don't have a financial subsidiary, and uh, the dividend's about half earnings, so I think this one's okay, waste management. And then finally, just very quickly, I'm not going to do a good job on this because I have no time, but Equifax, page 377. And again, what do I like? Well, Equifax, I'll just read what Value Line says, enables and secures global commerce through its information management, consumer credit marketing. They do credit scoring uh, for all kinds of uh, debt transactions, credit card and even checks and all that. Of course, transactions are down. Business is down. The stock's down from 46 to 21. It's six times gross cash flow, seven times free cash flow. They got a 38% operating margin going back 10 years. They've got a low teens return on capital down from the 20s and an upper teens return on equity down from the 30s. Uh, their balance sheet is, you know, not in great shape. 
48% debt to cap. But just as I was saying, on a coverage basis, they're in pretty good shape. And they're five times uh, enterprise value to EBITDA. That's a 20% cash on cash yield, plus uh, Value Line thinks they're going to grow 10%. They are having some, you know, sluggishness right now because of the economy. But they've got a couple new divisions opening up. Uh, for uh, marketing, it looks like for the marketing side of the business, which is good because people need leads here more than ever before. And uh, I guess with that, that's it. Equifax, I should have done more work on that, page 377. And then finally, this is uh, where I'm just going to tell you what my favorite is, and I think it has to be, uh, you know, the railroad is kind of a put away, but I think you're going to make good money if you buy CEC and California Pizza Kitchen. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Vern.